Today is Saturday evening, February 9th, 2019, in Spokane, Washington. This is the third of four messages of a weekend conference with Brother Ricky Acosta. There is no outline or verses ahead of this message. Tonight, if possible, in this hour or so, we'd like to accomplish uh, three things. Three things. One is to have a, a continuation of our fellowship from last night. That, that would be the first uh, kind of order of business, which, which I entitle Gleanings from the Book of Numbers. Okay. Uh, the second part is uh, we would like to spend a little time to um, develop the fellowship that we had at the very end of last night's uh, meeting uh, concerning our personal fellowship with the Lord. We spent much more time on this uh, last year when we were, when we were here. Uh, and if the Lord leads, we will also spend a little time tomorrow morning with the, with the whole church. Uh, and then uh, we did receive a number of questions uh, from you, and uh, the, ma- the majority of which uh, pertain to the matter of the children and the, the young people, the second generation, though there were, there were other, other questions, but by far the majority were along this line. So we'll do our best to cover as many of those as, as possible, but I, I already know in advance we won't be able to touch every one of them uh, in, in, in detail. Um, but there, there, is, there was, and you'll see, is a kind of a cry in some of these questions that I feel we probably do need to spend longer time uh, on, on, a, on a few of them. So um, let's begin, actually. Let me find my questions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last night, we gave these six words that uh, we... we we heard in the training on the on the, the crystallization training on numbers. Actually, if you have the recovery version of the Old Testament, these these are all all these words are found in the subject of of the book of Numbers. I think some you won't have to turn to it. You would remember what they are. The first one is what the meaning of life. The meaning of life. So in the book of Numbers, Christ is the meaning of life. The second one? The testimony. Christ is the testimony. And this is, of course, referring to the ark. The ark. Actually, the first one is also referring to the ark. That in Numbers, what you see in, in the very beginning of the book, what, what um, uh, is being, God, God is forming his people. Uh, in, in an array, in a formation, he, he, he specifies how he wants his people uh, to live, not just to move. He, he also mentions how to move, but, but he tells them how to, how to not move, like in what order they should pitch their tents. And one very striking thing is that that wherever they pitch their tent, and, and, it's, and it's with the 
with the tabernacle in the middle. There's three tribes to the east, three tribes to the west, right? Three tribes to the north, three tribes to the south. It's all surrounding, but everything is in relation to, in conjunction to, the tabernacle. And not only so, not only are they arrayed like this, but the instruction is that every tent, every, every personal household, faced, faced the tabernacle. So, so the third word is center. Center. And in the tabernacle, which is called the tabernacle of the testimony, is the holy place, Holy of Holies, and within the Holy of Holies, there's the Ark, and within the Ark, there's the Law, which is called the Testimony. So the Ark is called the Ark of the Testimony, the Tabernacle of the Testimony, the Ark of the Testimony. The center is the Testimony, and this Testimony is a type of Christ. So, so that's what we see when you, when you open the book of, of Numbers. And so these are, these are a set. These are a kind of set. Then you have three other things. Christ is the leader. The leader and the way and the goal. Of course, Remembering that everything in the Old Testament, everything relating to the children of Israel, is a type of the New Testament church. Everything. Everything. So when you read the Old Testament with this view, actually, you should see yourself there. You should see yourself. Have you seen yourself there? I've seen myself there. I'm just like those Israelites. Sometimes good, many times not so good. But all of that was written for us. Written for for what? Firstly, as an example. But not only as an example, also they were written for our mission. A warning. A warning. So those three are set, and these three are kind of set. And our... The point of our fellowship, for those who were not here last night, and a reminder for those who were, is that, okay, we have this. It says it there. We actually see this in Numbers. I hope by now it's not, oh, Brother Lee said. Oh, Brother Ron said. Oh, the message. they said in the message. But I hope you could see these in the Word. Yeah, that's, that's a further, further step. But even then, so what? So what? Unless we know how to make these things ours. Today, my family, with my X number of children, with my job, with my situation, with my health, or lack thereof, with my bills, with my car, with whatever situation we're in. Do these things apply there? 
If not, actually it's in vain. But we say, saints, it's not in vain. It's not in vain. After releasing this to us, now the Lord, as the spirit of reality, he has a function. as a spirit of reality. In a sense, the spirit in the New Testament age has only one thing to do. His full-time job is to make everything in the spiritual realm real to you and to me. All day long, every day, whether we're at work or on vacation, whether we're in the training or in our daily church life, whether we're driving or we're shopping or we're just laying back at home, the Spirit is doing one job all day long, every day, that is guiding you into reality. That's what he's been trying to do all day today. And then when the conference is over tomorrow, he's still doing the same job. As you're driving back home, as you're flying here or there, or as you're just getting home to rest after another, another conference. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Another conference. He's there as the spirit of reality. And he's with us all the time. All the time. And just doing one job. One job. Trying to guide you and me into the reality of every single point here, actually of every point that you've ever heard. I took a, I did like a tally one time to see for uh, high schoolers. Are you guys all in junior high or high school? Junior high? Junior high? What grade? Seven? 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 Six! Broke the streak. But three sevens is like pretty good, right? Three sevens in a row. That's what I hear. Sevens in a row. It's pretty good. <clears throat> three sevens and a six. But I, I, uh, I did a kind of little quick record because I wanted, I wanted to use it as an introduction for a, a message that I, in my first like conference message somewhere. And I tried to figure out if you're in the church life, raised in the church life, in a family that goes to everything, does your family go to everything? Yeah. yeah. I figured because you're here, you don't live in Spokane, right? Do you live in Spokane? Yeah, you don't live in Spokane. How far away? How, yeah, how far, how far away? Six and a half hours. Your family goes to everything. Yeah. So, <clears throat> if you're in a family, grow up in a family that goes to everything and sends you to everything, if they don't go to everything, they send you to everything. Okay. Then, how many m- meetings will you be in? How many potential messages will you hear in your six-year six year high school career? So I did a record. You know, I, I think it's, a clo- it's about 900. I think it's about 900. Yeah. That might not be messages. That might be meetings. So Lord's Table might count as one, and then your, meet, your whatever meeting, whether you're in the prophesying meeting or a young people's meeting or 
you know, this or that. <clears throat> and you go to everything. You go to everything. So, okay, maybe you get sick. Maybe, maybe you don't go to everything, everything. I think it's at least 800. 800. <clears throat> Boy, you know a lot of stuff. <laughs> and that's just the high school kids. It's just the high school kids. Go to the summer schools, and then some of you add on and go to Poland. And there's more. You know a lot of things. The Spirit has one job. To guide you into the reality of every one of those 800 plus messages. That's all he's doing all day long. He wants, to, he, wants to, he wants really Christ to be the meaning of your human life. You know, uh, yesterday we talked about this. What, what, what does this mean? And in the picture, in the picture in the Old Testament, it, mean, it means this, that the ark or the tabernacle, their entire life revolved around that little tent. When that tent moved, you moved. And everyone in Israel. So I made this statement and I realized after the meeting that I'd never completed my thought. And that is, when the trumpet blows, remember I talked about this yesterday, there's a special function of the priest. They're watching the pillar of cloud over the tabernacle. Or the pillar of fire. And then I remembered... Why I got sidetracked, because I started telling you how cool it would be to look at the fire. Like, remember that part? Yeah. So I sidetracked myself. Then I never completed my thought. Okay. So, suppose that's your job for that day. And then you see the... the, And then you probably check with someone. Is it really moving? I I don't want a false alarm. That would be bad. I only got one job today. And... Going to be a lot of young mothers upset with me if I. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. So, yeah. So they're not. You don't. You don't want that. So I probably check. I probably check. Jim, it's really moving, right? It's moving, right? It's moving, right? Should I? Should I do it now? And Jim would say, Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Then, you know, this is. These are real people. This really. Did you never thought about this? Did you? Yeah. You just read and the blue the trumpet and da da da. Yeah. So, then he blow. Okay. This is. This, you know what this means? The triune God is moving. The triune God is moving. Yeah, here you say, wow, amen. No, no, no. A- Amy, if you're at home and, and you're about to bathe the, ki- the, the boys, and, and, and uh, it's boys, right? Two boys. And, or you set the table, and, it's, and, it's, and then, are you going to be, amen. <laughs> The triune God is moving. <laughs> honey, honey, let's go. Yeah, honey's not going to be too happy either. Honey's like, what? Can we eat first? But it's time to move. And it's not convenient. And it's not on your schedule. Nobody consulted you. Did the triune God Asked Moses to send Aaron. And so, um, um, 
Orlando, is it okay if the cloud moves this afternoon at about six, between six and seven? Does that fit in with your... Nobody asked. The triune God doesn't ask. He just moves when he decides to move. And, you know, we, we talk about the journeys of Israel, and we talk about it like, you know, oh, amen. No, you've got to remember, there's real people. And it's not convenient. And some of them are, it's not, amen, it's not even, oh, Lord. It's, oh, no. <laughs> like, now, I, I was about to. So, when the cloud moved, they moved. Yeah. So now, now, let's come to us. Yeah. The church life. The matters of the church life. How, how is our family adjusted to, or, or I should say calibrated, aligned with Christ and the church? And are you happy about it? Are you happy about it? You know, we read Acts 2. Oh, house to house. And we talk about, how many messages have you given on house to house church life? Have you encouraged the saints? House to house church life. Amen. But you know what? When, when the sisters, I found out, and probably you did too, when the sisters host for three weeks in a row, and, and then Brother Scott's promoting the house-to-house church life. Some of the sisters are, you know, it's house-to-house. House. Where's the second house? It's three weeks in a row. It's just house-house-house. And sometimes that's the way it is. You're the only house available. And it's not convenient. But when you first offered your house, you had the grace. And the second week, when anybody? No? Oh, just come back. You still had the grace. The third week, when the brothers ask you, oh, you know, we don't have a place. Is it okay? Come back to your place. Is it okay? And you feel like, you know, sure. Sure. But then you go home to your husband and say, what was I supposed to say? Has, has that never happened to you? And you didn't have the same amount of grace this week. And nobody's checking. Nobody, nobody is gauging that. And sometimes, sisters... I apologize on behalf of all the brothers. It slips by. And we didn't realize you didn't have the grace. We should have realized. We should have realized. Either to make a different arrangement or to get you more grace. One or the other. Because sometimes there's just no other home. So, Maybe we should have prayed an extra prayer. Lord, give our dear sister a double portion of grace this week. And maybe out of that prayer, one of the brothers would have been motivated by the anointing to give a call 
hey, sister, you know, I noticed that it's, it's three weeks in a row. I, you know, I know that could be a little rough. Are you okay? You know what? Just by that call, she'll be okay. Grace incarnated would come through, is coming through that phone, through that call. Because he's the leader and he's the way. So when we brothers apply him, we, we become the way to bring grace to the saints. Because this, 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 the sisters really are willing. It's just that human life gets busy. And some of them have their jobs and many of them have their children and the supply runs out. And then we come here and give conferences about spending more time with the Lord. And I know, as I'm speaking, you're more condemned than when you first walked in. I mean, you know, maybe 70% of the saints are saying, Amen, yeah, I need to spend more time with the Lord. But there are a number of sisters who are, okay, um, I'm done. I don't remember when was the last time. And that's all he talks about. So I realized that. I realized that the enemy could use our words, my words. I realized that. That's why I like to give a heads up. Be careful. Because I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. It's right there. The gates of Hades always trying to bring you down. And we have the example in Matthew chapter 4 that when the Lord speaks a word to defeat Satan... Satan learns a lesson. And then the second time, he uses the word of God to try to tempt Jesus. Isn't that ridiculous? But that, that's an insight into how the enemy works. So, saints in general, but I think I'm speaking more to the sisters tonight, in this, at least in this portion. Be careful how you hear the word. Because the enemy could use the speaking in the ministry to condemn you. Reject that. Just reject that. That's not the intention of the speaking. That's not the intention of the speaking spirit. That's not the intention of the brothers. That's not the way the Lord is releasing this. But somehow the enemy is there whispering something. So, so be careful. Always receive the word. Exercise to receive the word in a positive way. Always receive the word with the realization and the expectation that whatever he speaks, he will do. Whatever he speaks, he is intending to, to accomplish it in you. Whatever he speaks... He is planning on guiding you into the reality of what he speaks. So receive everything. And then just tell the Lord, Lord, amen. But I don't think you're going to get that this week from me. But if you want to try, go ahead. But receive it. And this is the example that we see in Mary, in the book of Luke. We're talking about having 10 extra minutes with the Lord in the morning. Mary was asked to give a child without knowing a man. Okay, one of these two things is impossible. 
And Mary was asked. And, what, and she didn't say, well, what? What do you expect from me? She said, may it be to me according to your word. Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. May it be to me according to your word. She did not let the impossibility of the thought of the, of the impossible block her from receiving this word. She said, Amen. May it be to me according to your word. And it was. And the Lord accomplished in her something impossible. So there's a principle there of how to receive the word of God, how to receive fellowship, how to receive the ministry, either written or spoken. The center. The center. All the, all the tents facing the tabernacle. That has to do with our direction. That has to do with the aim. Doesn't mean you always hit the bullseye, but at least you're aiming that way. Last night I mentioned this briefly that when we ask, you know, solicit questions sometimes. In the, especially these last eight to ten years, this kind of question comes up often. It did not in this, in this uh, series of questions. How do you balance? How do you balance church life, work? And, you know, and I think it's with the pure intention to, so to, to keep the Lord first, to keep the church life first. But how, how do you have the balance? How, how can you be practical, practical, uh, and with so many activities in the church and this and that. And the brother said in the meeting, no balance. It's not a question of balance. It's a question of what's your center? Is the Christ and the church your center? And if so, then I mentioned this, then he, as the leader and the way, will guide you. Will guide you. And I mentioned this little example about staying home with children. Staying home with the children and reading. And one brother uh, confessed last night, he has a hard time to read the second time. I think oh, as, da- as dads, we've all gone through. Like, I read it already. What do you, why do you want to read it again? Again? That little again? Oh, that's the cross. That's just the cross. Please, Daddy. Please, Daddy is crossed. And there are times when there's just the feeling, just do it. Just a little, just do it. And that is the Lord as the leader. That is the Spirit as the guide, guiding us into the reality. You know, uh, we also talked last night about the ages, 20 years old, 30 years old, 50 years old. And that shows us that, uh, a few things. That shows us that there are different roles for different ones in the body of Christ. There are some who are fighting, and there are some who are guarding the testimony. 
So don't think. Don't think. Don't, don't take it this way. That function is more important. And it would be more exciting to be doing such and such. I'm just here guarding the testimony. Oh, I, I think, at least from what I can remember, in my early church life, uh, I remember being plagued by this thought. Even, even as a teenager, in my early 20s, in my early service life, always wondering uh, if I should be where, let me use this phrase, where the action is. Like, something would come up in the recovery, and there's a certain place in the body or a certain place in the globe that, you know. And, and there's a kind of feeling, there's a kind of feeling, oh, we have to stand with the Lord, and we should be there. Maybe the first time this came up was when Brother Lee went to Taiwan in 84, and he began the, the full-time training, you know, sometime in about 86, 87, and there was a kind of feeling, oh, we need to go. And some brothers that I know... I went. And I remember brothers coming to me, saying, Brother, have you been to Taiwan yet? I said, no. When, when are you going? Like, what? like, like, what's wrong with you? And, and I remember at that time, I was in New York, um, not one of the leading ones, just, just serving in the church life, um, according to my capacity and according to the measure that the Lord gave me. But I had about 200 young people under my charge, uh, whether you know, young people or college students. And that brother is in a church of 15 people. And so I kind of said, Lord, what about this? And I just had the feeling, yeah, not you. Not you, not now. And I was happy with that. But when I would talk to some brothers... I was, I was, I felt like I was pressured. I felt like I was less than what, you know, you know what I mean? I was made to feel less by them. I was made to feel like, like I'm, not, I'm not in the center, I'm not in the flow. Well, we used to talk like this a lot. Right? In the flow. But when I went to the Lord, I was content. So then I realized, oh, even in the church life, we have this kind of a peer pressure type of thing. And that's not healthy. That's not healthy. And those things shouldn't be. Now, with a little more experience, I realized, oh, I would tell those brothers something different today if I knew they were saying things like that to young brothers like the way I was. I said, brothers, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, in... 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul talks about the, uh, false, the apostles in 10 and 11. 10 and, 11. and he has the, uh, well, this verse, there's one particular verse I wanted to, to uh, point, point out to you. 2 Corinthians 10. You find it here. It is... Um, Verse 12, 12 and 13. For we do not dare to class or compare ourselves with any of those who commend themselves, 
But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves with themselves, are without understanding. A lot of selves here. Let me read again. For we do not dare to class or compare ourselves. Saints, have you ever compared yourself with another one in the church life? Another sister or another brother who had a different function than you? And the result of that was that you were made to feel less than what you are. And Paul is addressing this. We do not dare to class or compare ourselves with any of those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves with themselves. Stop it! (laughs) Stop comparing. Stop measuring. That can only have two results. Pride or discouragement. Even among us brothers, we're serving together. But I am not Scott. I am not Willie. I am not Jim. We all have different functions. And, and sometimes we are asked to do things or given some, you know, task to carry out. It's too easy. Who to, what about me? Why didn't they ask me? Because we're comparing ourselves to ourselves. And then, and then if I'm the one asked, it's too easy to... <clears throat> hmm. I was asked. I, I, was, I was asked. Only I was asked. Yeah, don't forget that. You forgot the only... And you don't say it, but you think it and you feel it. Yeah. Stop that. Stop that. Be happy in the church life. Where you are and with your function. So Paul continues. But we will not boast beyond our measure. But according to the measure of the rule which the God of measure has appointed to us to reach even as far as you. Dear saints, have you experienced the God of measure? Do you realize we're serving a God who has such a title? I think some of you have never heard this title of God before. The God of measure. That means God measures things to people. He measures things. I have a, I, I have a function. But my function only reaches to there. You know, I, I of course, I'm, I'm here this weekend. I'm from New York City. Once upon a time, I only served in New York City. Then, by the Lord's arrangement, I was either asked or sent to different places. And that has increased over the years. So I go to a certain place. And then the brothers ask me, how do you feel about this? Sometimes I have to tell them, brothers, you know, I was sent here only for this function. 
So I have no opinion about what you're asking because that is beyond my measure. So please, why don't you bring this fellowship to this brother or that brother? And I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to do that. Because, yes, we all have our function, but our function has a measure. That's true with the coworkers. That's true with the elders. That's true in whatever service you are. That's true in the church life. That saint is functioning in their measure. Don't be jealous. Be content. Be content. Pray that they would fulfill their function in the best way. And then you fulfill your function in the most faithful way. Now let me come back to the matter of the children. Moms. The moms who are at home. Oh, I realize. Sympathize very much. That that for a sister, depending on how active you were in the church life before, oh, having children changes your life. Even if you were not in the church life, it just changes your life. But on top of having children and your job, if you have a job, we put the church life demand on you, it's ridiculous. It's too much. And if you were that active before, oh, I know so many sisters that are frustrated, frustrated. And some come to a point when you don't have enough supply, you become not happy with your child. Almost you blame your child. You did this to me. And then you get condemned for feeling that way. So it's just down and down and down. Sisters, am I close? How do, you, how do you climb out of that pit? There are a few things. <clears throat> First, you need to realize this is God's measure. God measured this to you. So the situation you are in is actually from God. So don't blame him or her. Blame God. So you should have been here this morning so we could tell you about Psalm 55, 17. Evening and morning and at noon will I complain and moan. Say, look, you've been right in the flow. You didn't realize it, but you were practicing Psalm 55, 17. Praise the Lord. But remember, always the first one to complain to should be the Lord. Even before your dear husband. So the first thing is, this is from God. This is God's measure. And whenever God measures something to you, he always is faithful to supply in that measure. Now, then we have to learn how to cooperate to gain that supply. To gain that supply. Now, another thing is, I mean, for for the sisters in this kind of category, I would say is that 
I hope you would realize that some of your bondage is in your concept. I'm not, I'm not scolding you. I'd just like you to see something. That you were used to having a kind of fellowship with the Lord in a certain way. Maybe by having time set aside, some readings, fellowship. Well, now the Lord has to be your supply all the time. And you have to just practice talking to him all day long. Just talking to him. And that has to suffice for a period of time. That has to suffice. Like when he's doing that. Like through the day. That, that happens. And, and, and you know, things happen and you're trying to calm the baby down and, and, and then you're just getting frustrated and it's, it's wearing on your nerves. You need a release. You need an inner release of the feeling of the emotion. And that can be by just talking to him and telling him and crying out. And it doesn't have to be pretty. It can be real. It can be genuine. And the Lord can handle that. You wouldn't be the first. You won't be the last to talk to the Lord that way. But we also need people. We also need people. We need the body. We need the body. And sisters, you do need each other. And you need the older sisters. The older sisters have supply for you. The older sisters have balm for you. I hope you could avail yourselves. Don't don't take the excuse, oh, this and the house is all a mess and I can't have anybody over. Have somebody over. Invite one of the older sisters. They don't care. They don't care what the house looks like. They just want to be with you for a few minutes. Yes, you can call them, but it's different if they would come over and just sit with you. They, they can, they'll make their own tea, don't worry. Or they'll watch the baby while you make the tea. Spend time with someone. I realize that your home can become a prison. And I, I, recently I was talking to a sister, I think it was last week, and she was talking about, you know, there's three children, and then one got sick. And then the other one got sick, so she couldn't go anywhere. Then the other one got sick. So it was three weeks she was stuck and couldn't go out and couldn't go to the meeting. Dad took the two healthy ones to the meeting. And, and so then she realized, two and a half weeks, I haven't been out of here. And she was like going crazy. Older sisters, they, they need you. And we need to be aware of these kind of situations. Actually, in our group meetings, we shouldn't be having this kind of fellowship. You know, in the group meetings, we have these few principles for a, for a proper group meeting. Yeah. Uh, life, truth, and the gospel. If your group meeting is involved in, in these exercises of life, you're 
taking care of one another's growth in life. And you're, you're in the truth, and as we shared this afternoon with the serving ones of the young people, bringing the truths, converting the truth, the doctrines into experience to feed people. And then, burden for the gospel. We know that the best group meetings are the ones that have new ones in them. And new ones ask questions. And then when you're corporately answering the question and, and practicing that way to, to convert doctrine to experience, I tell you, everyone gets fed. Yeah. But that's only one side. A proper group meeting needs at least three other elements. And that is fellowship, prayer, and care. You could say shepherding. And when I say fellowship, I don't mean having spiritual fellowship. What did you enjoy in the Word? That's in the first category. When I say fellowship, it it, it, it should be this way. Uh, Oh, Orlando, how's your job? How's your job? Oh, wow, I didn't know things are... Wow. You didn't know he's, he's the threat of a layoff. Or something. Or maybe... From that conversation, you find out, oh, his uncle is very sick, really concerns him. This uncle is like a second father, and it's, it's weighing. You know? But unless you have this kind of talk, when will this come out? We have to know each other. And then to find out, oh, how's, how's, how's your wife? Oh, the kids are sick, huh? Oh, yeah, you know, now that I think of it, I haven't seen her for three weeks. He says, yeah, she's at home. Oh, then, then what? Then we should pray for her. Fellowship, then we pray. But then if that's all we do and nobody goes to visit, nobody calls, nobody brings food. If I don't tell my wife, dear, did you find out, did you know that, that, that the, the sister, and, and she didn't know? Take action. Go visit. Relieve her. Tell her, I'll stay, I'll stay with the kids. You go out. Oh, there's no meeting tonight. I don't care. Just go somewhere. <laughs> Just get out of these walls. Well, we'll watch the kids. No, don't, no problem. Even for someone's mental health. It's not all seemingly spiritual, but actually it is. The Lord is the shepherd of our souls. And your spirit cannot be proper and healthy if your soul is not cared for in the proper way. So even this, just to, just to relieve, you go, the two of you, with your husband, go out, have dinner, at least dessert. We'll watch the kids. That, that, that could just revive the sister for a month. Just that one little act. But for this, we need to have the proper fellowship, prayer, and care. But that should be our normal church life. That we're really caring for, for one another. If not, the enemy will come in and lie to the sisters. See, they only pay attention to you when they need you. When they need your house. When they need home meeting, hospitality, then they call you. How are you? In between, Nothing. Sisters, have you never been attacked with that kind of little lie? And you have to swat it away. Say, that's not true. That's not true. And as sisters, it's not true. It is not true. But the enemy will 
inject those kind of lies. But do you see what's going on here? In this household, there's a battle. There's a battle. There's a battle over these children. And we would think, oh, those who are, you know, in Russia, those who are going to Europe, going to Germany, they're the ones fighting the battle. We're here just keeping charge of the testimony. Don't think there's no battle here. Actually, in every household, there's a battle over our children. You know, when we go preach the gospel, sometimes we see the instant um, reward, the instant fruit. Because we preach, and then some get saved, and then they come to the meeting, and, and we see it. Even this morning, is Brother Mike here? Young Brother Mike, I thought I saw you. Mike, 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 Mike. This Mike. I know there's a bunch of Mike. Sorry. Sorry. We met yesterday. We met yesterday right? at lunch. And this morning, he gave a testimony. Told us he's 20. You're exactly 20 now, right? 20 years old? Yeah. Oh, army. Amen. <laughs> and then the brother asked him, the brother asked, oh, could you tell the saints how long you've been saved? And you said 11 months? 11 months. Did you hear all the saints went, oh. <gasps> <laughs> We're always so happy when we, when we hear of one, you know, I went to a group meeting. Uh, when did I come here? Thir- thir- Thursday. So fr- Wednesday night, I went to a group meeting. And uh, I just popped in, surprised the saints. That's not my group, you know, my group meeting. Uh, it's another, another district, another hall, and I just dro- dropped in. And uh, there are four new ones in this group meeting. And, uh, and I... I, I you know, we went around and everybody introduced themselves. And one of the brothers says, said, tell him, tell him, when did you get saved? And he said, oh, 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 yeah, I got saved on the Lord's Day. <laughs> and what else, what else? Oh, I got baptized too. Yeah. So, of course, you know, everybody's, oh. And this was Wednesday. He's in the group meeting. He got saved and baptized Lord's Day, and he's in the group meeting. Yeah. We're all so happy. We're all so happy. Last Lord's Day, I went to a district. We have eight meeting halls in New York. And I went to a district that I had never visited before, hall number eight. And so, after the table, they're asking, you know, uh, between the table and the prophet saying, any here for the first time, please stand up. And behind me, there was about 12 people, first time in the meeting. And, uh, and, and they said, tell us, tell us your name and when you got saved. And this one, she goes, well, my name is so-and-so and I got saved in 2018. Everybody, amen. Oh, my name is so-and-so. I got saved two months ago. Oh. And they're, they're all from the same group meeting. All from the same group meeting. Actually, the, the source, all from one sister. Yeah, from one sister. And they all, they baptized, these saints have baptized 11. This was with Brother Max. Max Saints. They're all Filipino. They're all Filipino. And they have a Bible study on Lord's Day evenings in our new Hall 8. This Filipino Tagalog Bible study. Yeah. So, of course, oh, you know, in a year. It's exciting. You're raising your children. It's not exciting. You're raising them for the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Amen. That doesn't make it more exciting. 
We give these conferences raising up the next generation. All right. Yeah. You don't see the fruit for 12 years or 10 years, sometimes 18 years. But sisters, you will see the fruit. You will see the fruit. This is a battle. This battle needs endurance and vision. See what you're doing. Those little ones, the naughty ones, the naughty ones. We've seen this. They and some of them end up being the best ones. We've seen this. Just just in, have the supply and endurance and faith. And day by day, day by day. It's worth it. It's worth it. They will be your crown. It's worth it. Pass through this stage. It is a stage. Of course, if you keep having kids, it's this longer stage. One question I, one question I got here is, if the Lord's coming back too soon, is it worth it to have more kids? You know what I mean? Like, should we stop? Have a cutoff? And I say, actually, my answer is, no, keep going. Actually, we should live our life in a normal way, as if the Lord is never coming back. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We should live our daily life, not with that kind of a thought. Oh, the Lord is coming, so I should. You know, people have done this in the past. They sell everything, and then they go and live together, and on a mountaintop waiting, and they, they predicted the Lord is coming on a certain day, well, they were wrong. And, but it keeps happening. It keeps happening. Don't do that. According to the scripture, the example is that we should live normally until the day of the Lord's coming. It only says, woe to those with child to the Jews when they are in the good land during the time of the tribulation, the Antichrist is coming. To them it says, woe to you who are with with child. But not in the section to the believers. Never has anything like that. To the believers, it says that two are in the field, one is taken, and one is left. Two are grinding at the mill. That's the implication in kind of cooking, preparing for your family, just do that. Normal life. And every day, experiencing that day's degree of the growth in life. We should live normally. So I feel that that can be applied to the having of children. Just live normally and leave, the re- leave that to, to the Lord. Just leave that to the Lord. Sisters, the battle is in your household. You are part of the Lord's army. Because in the New Testament, it's not male, female. It's not the actual age, 20 or what. It's, it's the growth in life. You have a certain measure of growth, you're fighting the battle. And sisters, at home, that's measured to you, you're fighting the battle. Gain your children for the Lord. Gain your children for the Lord. And it's a long-term battle. And that doesn't mean all the time preaching to them. 
actually very little time preaching. Maybe no preaching. It doesn't mean all the time you're asking them to pray and this and that. It's just being normal. And, and I love Brother Nee's encouragement is to build up an atmosphere of love. That's the main thing. An atmosphere of love. Where your children feel that you are their best friend. And when something good happens, you're the first one they want to tell. And when something bad happens, you're the first one they want to tell. You're not the one they want to hide it from the most. So that would mean that to them, you're the judge. It should be, they can tell you their weaknesses, their failures, and they tell you their successes. That, that's what we're doing. And then, along the way, we build up their humanity. Build up the proper humanity. Maybe this is a good place to bring this in, which includes not running around the meeting hall too wild. We were talking about this, some of us today. Oh, the little, the little children just have a lot of energy. But you know what? We can train them if you're consistent. If you're consistent. It takes time. And, and don't, don't, uh, don't, don't be too much when they don't obey you. Some of the children say, hey, don't run. They're like, who are you? I said, I, I, I would tell them, who am I? I'm an adult. Don't speak to me this way. Please don't speak to me this way. But please don't run here. Just that. They go, okay, okay. So they walk three steps, and then they run. Okay. <laughs> I understand. But you know, it could be the next time they run, they see you. Oh. And then they run again. Little by little, little by little, little by little. Yeah. Build up their proper humanity. Actually, what we were talking about is this example. You know, we have saints who are walking with canes. I could envision my mom, who's with the Lord now, but she was coming with her walker. She lived till 90. My dad just passed away. He lived till 99. But he, would, he wants to be with the saints. And then two little children innocently just running, and it could be right at the corner. You could knock someone over. That would be very bad. You wouldn't want, to, you wouldn't want that. And then it's not a matter of my child this or that. It's, you, we just wouldn't want that. So we should do our best as a family. Do what we can. You know, one question I got was about children in the meeting. Children in the meeting. And um, how, how do you, if there, if, like, especially a meeting like this, of course, you're taking care of the children in another location, right? In, downstairs. Right? But there are times when we don't have that kind of provision. And you have a meeting, and the children, the only thing they can do is be there, or mom or dad or someone has to take them to another room, and then they miss the, the, the mom and dad miss the fellowship. How do you have children in a meeting without disturbing? Yeah, that's not easy. That's not easy. But I have seen it. And I have seen sisters 
who are very disciplined, and uh, they, they just find a way. And they train their children in a certain way. And I know right away your reaction would be, oh, Brother Ricky, you don't know my children. That's true. I don't know your children. But I know human nature. And, you know, we have a little experience, both personally, and we have the experience of the body, corporately. And so we've seen sisters. Actually, we've seen sisters work together in such a thing. Just last week, um, we had a children's uh, a day of fellowship for the children serving ones and the parents. A uh, six-hour fel- uh, kind of fellowship. And um, in the course of that, there was time for the sisters to give some sharing testimonies and so on. And one of the sisters in a new hall, in a new hall, um, what, what happened was uh, that hall was very fruitful. And we started with 80 saints, and we grew to 120, 130 rather quickly. So it was decided this hall should now sp- split up and have two locations in this part of the city. Uh, but it turns out that about 80 saints all live in that other part of the city, so 80 saints left and left this place with 35 to 40 regulars. And we had um, 26 or 28 children in this district, and they took 24 to 26 of them. And they left two. So now that hall has 26 children, this hall has two. And they're siblings. So one mom there with the kids. So if you're going to have children's meeting, it's with this, these two siblings. So they decided, in fellowship with the district brothers, and this is not our general practice, that they will not have children's meeting during the Lord's table. Right. So that's not our general practice. Generally, all the kids from beginning to end are separate. You know, we sing with them for an hour and so on. But they decided, in this case, with the two children, it would be a long stretch. And you're not going to have an opening singing for an hour with just two children. So she's going to bring them to the Lord's table meeting. Yeah. <clears throat> Unless new children come. If new children come, they are ready. You fellowship on Saturday. They are ready to have a children's meeting. But the general, generally, the two kids are there. So she told us, so I have my, and this is her, her, her words, quote-unquote, I have my bag of tricks that I bring, and I sit with the children, and they sit quietly. And it's not iPad. It's not games on the iPad. It's other things, and readings, and things, and crafts. And actually, this sister, she's one of four, She's the oldest of four in her family. And I know her parents, and I know her mom. And I know that this is how mom raised them. And the sisters with her, they all practice this. I I know these families very, very well. There were a lot of children in that locality. And they were in the meetings. And you could have the meeting without knowing they're there. All, all ages, all ages. They, they did it. They did it. 
Um, and then the sister said this, actually, I have my quote-unquote bag of tricks, and we have prepared a second bag for visiting mothers. So she was letting the saints know. If anyone comes to our district, we won't want you to be alarmed. We don't have a children's meeting. We might, if we have like a, you know, what is it, critical mass, five or six, we'll do something. But if you're just bringing one child, please come and visit us, and we have something to supply you. So it's in their closet to give so that you can help your child too. Yeah. And, and yes, it, sometimes the kids, you know, their, their attention span, it runs out. And it's, you know, not all children are the same. We fully understand that. I'm just making this point. It's possible. Please don't think it's impossible. Because we know quite a number of sisters who actually have carried it out. And not only now, I mean in generations before. And there are sisters here who have done that too. There is a way. There is a way. So that the saints are not disturbed Because we, yes, yes, we want you in the meeting as much as possible. We don't want you to miss the supply. Because, sisters, really it's this way. It doesn't matter how strong or weak your church is. Your meeting could be the weakest in your church. But that's the church meeting. And there's a supply there. And if you make it to the meeting, you get something. So don't lightly miss the meeting two weeks in a row, three weeks in a row. Don't do that. Be in the church meeting. On the other hand, we, we know it's a frustration if your child is energetic and, and, you know. So let us pray for this. Let us find a way so that the sisters can go on, the saints are not disturbed, the children are taken care of, and they're growing up in a place that is not all the time, shh, 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 shh. You know, some children, their impression of the church meeting is, shh. You don't want them growing up like that. You want them, you want them feeling this is home. I belong here too. Yeah. So we all should work together. Anyway, that was two, two of the questions that were brought up. Is there something else? I think it's time to sing. Let us sing. Let us sing 564. 564. We sang verse 1 yesterday. I'd like to sing verse 2 today. Five sixty-four. Well, we can start with verse one, but let's sing one and two. One and two. I have learned the wondrous secret of abiding.
verse 2. I am crucified with Jesus, and he lives, but with thee. I guess he's from all my struggling, is no longer I but he. All my will is yielding to him, and his spirit reigns within. And his precious blood each moment keeps me cleansed and free from sin. So we'd like to encourage you in your times with the Lord to expand your repertoire of hymns. Expand your usage of the hymns. The hymns can help us, can help us. To, they help to fuel our fellowship, to give words, and to, to kind of uh, bring feeling, to bring feeling. As we mentioned last time, uh, I mean last year, quite a bit, from our experience and from our observation of the saints' experience, probably the greatest frustration in our time with the Lord, once we actually have it, once we actually are there to have it and we make it to spend time with the Lord, uh, is our thoughts. Our thoughts. Undisciplined thought. Undisciplined thought. Even this morning for me, I'm trying to spend some time to, to, just to be with the Lord, not to prepare. I set aside time to prepare for my speaking. But it's too easy. I'm praying, oh Lord Jesus. And then I start thinking about what I need to say to the high schoolers. And, I, and then I have to I have to fight to say, no, no, no. Not now. Not, not yet. Not yet. Then, oh Lord, oh Lord. And I know, that because, because just before I, I, I sat down, I got a text from New York, because there's a brother's coordination meeting going on. And it's 6 o'clock here, but it's 9 o'clock there. And that's the beginning of the, the meeting. And so, at about 5.30 or so, I had texted, I got a question and I texted something of an answer for that fellowship and I needed to put that aside. Now it's time to be with the Lord and it's too easy. Oh Lord Jesus. Oh, uh, how's that fellowship going? I hope they really touch the burden, these brothers. And that's something of the Lord. But not now. Not now. Now that's in the way. So, so I had to say, I had to exercise. Put that thought aside. Let's put that thought aside. But then I started to sing. And this is my experience very often. You sing, and the thoughts don't come while you're singing. And so I found that singing is probably the easiest way to touch the Spirit without struggle. So I'd just like to pass that on to you.
But then I would also say, if you don't like singing, just don't sing. Don't make this a form. You have to, you have to navigate. You have to let him be your leader and find your way in your fellowship with the Lord. I'm just offering this. If you haven't tried this, then try this. But the songs, many of them, you don't have to sing the whole thing to get feeling. As soon as you get some feeling, convert the feeling to words, which means pray. I am crucified with Jesus, and he lives and dwells with me. I have ceased from all my struggling. Tis no, that's not true. Lord, I'm still struggling. I'm struggling. I want to cease. Lord, oh Lord, that today, today I could cease from struggling. Lord, I don't want to struggle. I want to abide. I want to abide, reside, and confide, and hide. Lord, make this my reality today. Not struggling, but hiding, abiding, residing, and confiding. All my will is yielding to him, and his spirit reigns within. Lord, reign. Reign. Lord, forgive me that yesterday, in that conversation, you didn't reign. You didn't reign. I realize you didn't reign. Forgive me. And his precious blood each moment keeps me cleansed and free from. Lord, thank you for your precious blood. Now I ask, Lord, that each moment your precious blood would cleanse me. Each moment, not just right now. Lord, through this day, just wash me all the time. I'm abiding in the Lord and confiding in you. Can then, then you just sing. You sing, you pray. It's pray singing. You sing, you pray, and it's hard to say that one is not the other. Your singing is your praying. Verse 3. All my sicknesses I bring him, and he bears them all away. Oh, Lord, all my sicknesses. My sicknesses in my body, my sicknesses in my soul. Lord, you bear them all away. Lord, oh Lord, and maybe there's one thing that's ailing you and you just unload it to the Lord. Lord, I'm so frustrated. I'm so frustrated. They thought they found it, but they didn't. You know, this happens, right? You, you have something and they, the doctors feel they found the source and then a week later, it's just the same. And then again, and that could weigh on you. That could just tire you out, wear you out and more this, and more that, and more tests, and more time, when will it end? Lord, I just unload it to you. Saints, all these things we need to breathe out. We just need to breathe them out on the Lord. This is a principle. Breathing has two parts. I know you all know that. It's in and out. But in the spiritual life, it's actually out and in. We need to unload first the things. And if you haven't unloaded for some time, no wonder. No wonder everything's a burden. 
Once upon a time, it was not that way in your church life. Once upon a time, this was a happy place. Once upon a time, it was a joy. An extra, an extra one, an hospitality, another conference. It was all amen, amen, amen. Now it's, oh Lord, oh Lord, oh no. And everything's a burden and everything makes you unhappy and irritable. Once upon a time, it was not that way, and, and it could be that way again. It could be that way again. If you unload, if you breathe out, spend the time to breathe out. This is more than just having morning revival. You could, you could take the book, the morning revival book, and then you come and you pray the two verses, and then you go to work or school or just to whatever your daily life entails and you never unload so you never unclog so you never change so you're the same after six months you're just the same actually maybe not the same you're going down you're sinking and it's not sinking into God and nobody realizes it around you that's dangerous we have to unload. We have to, we have to at least tell the Lord. And that takes a little more time than just the ten minutes to pray, read the two verses, and read the gray box. That's not enough, saints. It's not enough. Do not misunderstand. I'm not trying to diminish, discount, or weaken what you already practice. I'm trying to elevate. I'm trying to add quality to what you practice. And sometimes it will take a little more time to unload before the Lord. All my strength I draw from Jesus. By his breath I live and move. In his very mind he gives me and his faith and life and love. All these words, pray them. Just pray them. Let's sing verse 4 together. Yeah. For my words I take is wisdom, for my works is spirit's power, for my ways is ceaseless presence, guards and guides me every hour. Of my heart he is the fountain of my joy, the boundless spring, Savior, sanctifier, healer, glorious Lord, and coming King. I'm abiding in the Lord and confiding in his word. For my words I take his wisdom, for my works his spirit's power, for my ways his ceaseless presence guards and guides me every hour. Isn't there something here to pray? Isn't there something here to convert to your prayer? My words, my works, my ways, 
Of my heart he is the portion, of my joy the boundless spring, Savior, Sanctifier, Healer. Don't you need healing? Maybe just this one word will cause you to pray for 15 minutes. Lord, be my healer. Be my healer. Restore my joy. Be my portion. Anyway, I offer this to you. May the Lord lead you. Someone asked this question. Very uh, genuine. When you're in a situation of not having had personal time with the Lord in a long time, and in parentheses, really long, how do you start? You just start. You just start. The Lord's been waiting for you. And it doesn't have to look how I just demonstrated. Too bad it's too cold outside. I would say, go for a walk. And just say, Lord. Don't even say, Lord, I want to start a personal time. Just say, Lord, here I am, because you already started. As soon as you say, Lord, it started. There's no rebuking. It's just, hi. Good to see you. There's a hug there. Spiritual hug. Just have faith that the Lord is with you. And don't put a requirement on it. Don't put a time requirement. Don't put a thing requirement, a practice requirement. You don't have to use the book, Holy Word, and you don't have to not use the book, Holy Word. Just say, Lord, here I am again. Sorry it's been so long. But here I am now. Here I am now. And Lord, no promises. There's no promises. So I don't know when I'll be back. Because you know I'm not trustworthy. So maybe you could say this. You know, since Lord... I haven't been with you for a long time. I would really advise you, you would dispense yourself into me right now because I don't know when you're going to get the next shot. (laughs) So, here I am. Go to it. Just talk to him. Just talk to him. Okay, we'll run through a few of the questions here. Some, I hope those who've asked the different questions would realize that several of them I did answer already in my previous fellowship. How do we navigate safeguarding our children from the world without it being a form or having them feel like we are depriving them of things like Christmas or television? I would recommend to you, um, oh, sorry, I have to find the full title. I had it before and it just slipped me. Uh, I'll, I'll say it in the morning. But there, uh, there is uh, a book that you would never dream that Brother Lee talks anything about children or teenagers in this book because the title has nothing to do with children. And it was actually a message he gave in 1977 in New York City, of all places, I was not there. I was living in Southern California at the time. And it, it must be that after the, after the message, Brother Lee asked, do you have any questions? And a mom stands up. I mean, it doesn't say it's a mom, but it's pretty clear to me it's a mom. And she, she, she asks, uh, my, my son is 15 or something, 
16, and doesn't like coming to the meeting, what do I do? And, uh, and then there was another question about television. And then there was a third question about uh, should we let our young people go to the dormitories in college, first year college? And basically his answer is this. Uh, it's, uh, you have to consider whether it's profitable to push your child to come to the meeting. I was surprised by this answer at 15. You have to consider whether it's profitable. Um, He said, actually, you've had 14 years to prepare for this situation. Something like this. (laughs) This is what I was saying before, that sisters... The battle is now when you're with the children. You have to realize day by day by day is a battle and your fruit will be shown later. The important thing is developing communication with our children and building up an atmosphere of love so that, so that we could talk to them and not just always claim our right as a father or a mother. You know, you, it's not pleasant when, when, you, when, do, when the reason is because I said so. We, you have to pull that out every once in a while. You've got to pull it out. Tare, it's going to be coming. You're going to say, because, I, because I'm, the, I'm your dad. Because <laughs> I said so. But it's, that's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. So you have time to prepare between now and then for when you get to that stage to have conversations. Why we do things and why we don't do things and why we have restrictions. And let me tell you, it doesn't work to say that's the way we do things in the church. Don't do that. Don't do that. Then you blame the church and you get a bad feeling about the church. And anyway, other people in the church do that. So that takes away your ground. Eventually it has to be, well, anyway, our family doesn't do that. In our family. But if in your family there are so many other things that other kids don't have, then, then it's, a tra- it's not a bad trade-off. If your family is a family of love and communication and everyone likes being in your house, all their friends like being in your house, then when there's a few things that... No, we're not doing that. It's not so bad. Do you understand? Because they realize it's a blessing to be part of this family. And especially when their friends say, I like your family. And the Lord, you know, cover me. I think so, several of us in this, in, this, in this meeting, you've experienced this. Where, where your children's friends you know, maybe at the dining table, would say, you know, Mr. Finney, I really like your family. You know, we don't, we, don't, we don't get to have dinner together in my family the way you guys do. I've had that. Some friends of my son, because we practiced that as often as possible. Have, just, have din- just a simple thing of having dinner together. Some of his friends would say, 
You know, Mr. Costa, I want to tell you, I can't remember the last time I had dinner with my family. I, I really like being in your house, sir. What a, that's a, you know, we're not preaching the gospel that night to him. But we did already, in a sense. And he was saved later. So the atmosphere in the family and you're drawing friends. Then when you tell them certain things, "Mm, son, I, I just, we're just not doing that. They'll be okay. But they'll still try. Oh, but dad, I said, son. Because there's a, you know, a lot of good things about. But if there's tension all the time, because in the church we do this and we don't do that, then when the kids are even out of the house, when they don't like to come home, because all you're going to do is, oh, when are you coming to the meeting? And I've seen that. I've seen sisters, they love their children so much but they do not realize that they're the ones who chase them away because too pushy. And it's it's difficult to say anything, but it was very clear they pushed them away. Now the children haven't been in the church life for 10 years. But every time they come, oh, would you come, would you come? Uh, Sister, don't invite them anymore. Just invite them for dinner. Don't talk about the meeting. Just dinner. Be a good family. Be a good mom. That will win them back. Sometimes it's the grandchildren that are the way back in those kind of cases. But I'll have the reference for you uh, tomorrow, tomorrow morning. There should be a lot of benefits to being a member of our family. And the biggest one should be the love that's here. That all their friends could sense it, taste it, and even to some extent are jealous of it. That would be very good. Um, Oh, this is about sports. Um... We have our children in some sports programs uh, that we feel is profitable for their character. Sometimes I feel there's a stigma that sports are worldly and shouldn't, uh, our children shouldn't be. What's the balance? Uh, of course, I don't want sports. Sorry. But I think it will be beneficial. But anyway, it keeps them out of trouble. Uh, this is a common question. Um, You know, um, Brother, Brother Nee has a, has a uh, chapter on recreation. I hope, I hope you've read that. If not, I recommend that. It's in the section on um, messages for building up new believers. I think it's in the third volume. That, that's one place to go to get some, something about this. In general, I would say... Uh, to have, to have uh, extracurricular activities 
that keep them occupied in a proper way is generally a help. It's generally a help. Certain, uh, so, so I would say then, in general, sports are okay. But there are some cases when sports would really drag them down. And, and there's no yes or no answer to this. And you have to, you, uh, I would say, you have to follow your anointing, but you should also have fellowship. Some of the, some of the team sports, travel teams, are sometimes not healthy. Not healthy, the involvement that the kids get into, especially the boys. And, and there's always the potential, no matter how strict the coach is and then that for alcohol and drugs and things like that. There's the potential. Of course, knowing the coach is another, the, uh, another thing. Some, some coaches, they don't, they don't stand for any of that. And they have a way to, to, to monitor, monitor that. But in general, in general, I would say, these kinds of activities, you have to go by the sense of life. I think you're, the, at least the church here in Spokane, is studying the experience of life. Right? Didn't you just have a lesson on dealing with the world? Or, or you're coming to that? Dealing with sins. Okay, it's coming, dealing with the world. Okay. So I think you'll get help, even for this question there. Because it is, you can't say sports are worldly or not worldly. Because they are worldly to some people and they are not worldly to other people. There was a time in my life where basketball was worldly because it occupied my heart. It occupied my heart. And, and, and I, the Lord brought me through an experience that it was very clear. It, the Lord was not first. Basketball was first. Both, both participation and spectator. Watching and my team and this and that. And then I was part of a team in junior high and high school, or early, mostly junior high. It was even then, just I was 12, 13 years old, but basketball was my world. And the Lord showed me. And I went through an experience. And then after that, basketball was no longer my world. But I still, I still like playing basketball. I still like watching basketball. But it doesn't hold that in me anymore. So it's not the world. So we shouldn't, we, we cannot just make a blanket statement, oh, that sport's worldly. And we should not, after we have a dealing with the Lord, judge anyone else by how the Lord leads us. Because the Lord may lead you. No, sports are, sports are not good for your children. But if a family next door in the church life has their children in something, don't judge them. Don't judge them. And if, it's, and if you feel the peace, and, and, and your children are, and I could tell you, I had my three children in, in sports programs. They're all athletic. They all enjoyed growing up, and I was there as often as I could be. Actually, probably more than 80% of the games, all three of them, in varsity sports, varsity sports. My son played basketball, and my girls played volleyball. And one of my girls won the city championship. I mean, you know, their teams were very competitive. And I was there, just, you know. Not the way you see me now. I, I, was, I was there. I'm glad there is no recording of 
that time. Not one recording. But I was there. And not only that, I was team dad. I was the team dad for all three of the teams. Because mostly, the dads didn't have time. That's where their, their job situation was such, you know, they're working until 5 or 6. You don't get back home until 7 or 8 in New York City. But my schedule was such, I'm busy during the day. I'm busy at nighttime. I wasn't always there to put them to bed. But at 4 to 6 p.m. during their games, I was there. And not only the games, I went to their practices. And I'd go and hang out in the practices, and I was very often the only father there. And so I'm there, and I got to know all the girls on the team. I got to know all the guys. I would take, borrow the church van, offer them all a ride home. So I got to know them. I got to know them. Sometimes I just sit and let them talk, and I just hear, listen, listen. I learn a lot. <laughs> I learn a lot. And then on the way home, I said, son, that, that, that one there, one there, I don't know about him. I don't know if I trust him. He said, no, you're wrong, Dad, you're wrong. Actually, he's the most mature of all of us. I said, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, their dad left them when he was little. He really cares for his siblings and this and that, supports his mom. And I know, he's, because of that, he has more independence, he's touched some things, and that was what I was afraid of. But uh, actually, no, no, he's going to be at med school, this and that. He's really strict. And, and it was so. But we could talk about it. We could talk about it. And quite a number of them all got saved. Not, not during that, not in high school, but once, actually, after college. He kept the connections with them. And they knew Isaac's dad, he's something with God and he travels. That's all they knew. <laughs> something with God and he's all over the place. And then the girls, with the girls, sometimes the girls on the team, and you know, it's high school, it's high school. Remember high school? And the drama and all that? And then something in particular about my three kids is their friends would always come to the three of them with problems. Actually, my son, uh, did, you, did you know this? His buddies we were driving home one day. They said, Mr. Acosta. I said, yeah. He says, you know, Isaac is our Moses. He says, he's your what? He's our Moses. He says, Moses. I said, what are you talking about? He says, we know whenever we have any question about God or the Bible, he's the man. <laughs> My son, Isaac. Yeah, because he knows everything about the Bible, they thought. You know. Anyway. So he had a testimony. I didn't know that. He had a testimony with him. Tell about 15 of them got saved during his first year in the training. Yeah. Some remotely from, from Anaheim. He got them saved. Anyway, but with the girls, my girls, sometimes the girls, would, their friends would come. And then I know my youngest daughter, she said, you know, you should talk to my dad. And so these girls would come. Hey, Mr. A, can I talk to you? Mr. A, Mr. A, could I talk to you? I said, sure, dear, sure, what? And she's telling me about this boy. And I said, sweetie, they only want one thing. You just get away from that boy. Just get away. Really, you think so? Dear. She said, oh, yeah, come on, do that. Thank you, Mr. A. <laughs> so I was, the, I was the team dad. And the sports 
got me a link to all their friends. So I, well, you know, I used it. I welcomed it. But I'm not telling you, you should do that. I'm not telling you, you should do that. We don't push it, promote it. We just testify. But it just doesn't fit your situation. If you don't have the Lord's leading, then don't go that direction. So I, I, hope, that, I hope that that's answered. Last one. <laughs> this is too big for two minutes. But I'll tell you that. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, don't. I don't want to go longer. <laughs> is it best to do public school or private? K to 12. Today's generation is teaching strange beliefs and values in public schools. Would it be better to do Catholic or private school rather than public? Um, anyway. <laughs> oh, the time. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I don't know. No, I really don't know. And this is a serious consideration among saints everywhere. And um, some saints, you you can't you can't say public is better because many saints don't have the means to do that. They just don't have the means to do that. It's impossible. So, I mean, it's private. private. You so if we say, no, it really should be in private. No, you can't say that. You can't say that. Some saints just don't have the means. for. They have to take a second mortgage in order to send. And maybe some saints feel that's what they need to do. We don't judge that. And depending on your school district, and you, you can't give a simple answer to this. Yes, there, things are being taught. And, and actually, in the New York City public school system, since the 1980s, they're teaching in kindergarten, using books. Uh, you know, Sally has two mommies, and Tommy has two daddies. That's since the 1980s. And so I would say regardless of what kind of system you have them in, uh, we cannot relinquish the responsibility to teachers in many things. The parents have to take the responsibility. You have to be involved with what they're learning so that you can tell them the proper, proper thing. <clears throat> you know, we have a new book. Have you seen this new book, Upside Down? Upside down, some of you have. It's a new book. It's a children's book. It's a children's book. Oh, upside down. You can go to thebibletellsmeso.com. Thebibletellsmeso.com. You can order. It's just a very simple book for actually even pre-K level. Thebibletellsmeso.com. It's called Upside Down. So uh, I, I don't remember the pictures now exactly. Do, have you seen it? Have you seen that? Yeah, I don't know if I, if anybody remembers one of like for example one of the pictures, but it would be that that there's there's a, a person on the ground and there's a tree and there's an airplane, and then on the next page, the tree's in the air, 
and the airplane is on the ground. And they're both upside down. Something's wrong here. And you see that, wait, that, wait, that's not the way it should be. And then the next page, there's a cow, and then there's the moon. And on the next page, the moon is on the earth, and the cow is in the sky. Wait, that's not, that's not no. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's just pictures. And then you turn the page, and then there's you know, something else. And there's a bus, and the bus is going on the road. And turn the page, the bus has the wheels up and it's driving in the sky. No, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And then it ends. And it leaves you the opportunity to have a discussion with your children. That you're going to see in society things that are upside down, not the way they're supposed to be. But God made an order. And we live according to God's order. So you can sow a seed in them. When they're, when they're three or four years old. So we're, we're trying to provide material to the saints in the churches to help in this. We know it's a, big, it's a battle. But if we can help them at home in basic things, if we can put into them the proper humanity, then we will equip them how to choose, how to refuse the evil and choose the good when they get to school. We used to feel that we didn't have to do such a job until junior high or high school. Yeah. Now we have to do it at elementary school or even preschool. So, but you cannot depend on the teachers in either the public or private school system to do this job for us. We, we have to do something from the very beginning. From the very beginning. Even the toddler pre-K level to, to begin this kind of a process. I think that's all I have the freedom to say uh, about that. And I apologize for not getting to the other, to the other questions.